Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another exciting episode of Third Crypto. Today, we are talking Donald Trump saying he is not a fan of Bitcoin. We have Fed Chairman Jerome Powell compares Bitcoin to gold. And then finally, in the main topic, we're discussing why is Bitcoin valuable? I mean, it is the world's first decentralized digital currency. Well, we discussed that in the main topic. Third Crypto, starting now. from around the world. Welcome back to another exciting episode of Throw the Crypto. Today is July 12th, 2019, and you're not in the twilight zone. That's right. You're not in the twilight zone because our president, Donald J. Trump, says he is not a fan of Bitcoin. Can you believe it? Well, he said that. According to a tweet much earlier this evening, he said, I am not a fan of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, which are not money and whose value is highly volatile and based on thin air. <laughs> Unregulated crypto assets can facilitate unlawful behavior, including drug trade and other illegal activity. Similarly, Facebook Libra's virtual currency will have little standing or dependability. If Facebook and other companies want to become a bank, they must seek a new banking charter and become subject to all banking regulations, just like other banks, both national and international. We have only one real currency in the United States, and it is stronger than ever, both dependable and reliable. It is by far the most dominant currency anywhere in the world, and it will always stay that way. It is called the United States dollar. Exclamation point. Yeah, this this lit up <laughs> this lit up Twitter this evening. And sure enough, everybody jumped in there. Trace Mayer jumped in there. Preston Byrne jumped in there. Peter Schiff jumped in there. Uh, Justin Sun jumped in there. Caitlin Long, like Safadine Amos jumped in there. Like everybody jumped in there. Travis Kling. I jumped in there as well. <laughs> Jesse Powell from Kraken jumped in there. Everybody jumped in and gave them their two cents. Uh, Gemini even jumped in there too, uh, the exchange. Um, so what does this mean? I, I, I tend to look at this as bullish news, to be honest. Uh, president has never talked about Bitcoin. I think the only time he's ever talked about anything of cryptocurrency is the Petro uh, coin that they made. In, um, and that's the only time they've ever he's ever brought up anything crypto related. So I, I take this as bullish news. Because for him to come out and say that the United States dollar is the most dependable and most reliable, um, I don't know. I think it's bullish news. You guys tell me what you think. But yeah, I could not believe he, he tweeted about it. It's it's crazy because as soon as that happened, Bitcoin went up. We were, we were down today. <laughs> and as soon as that happened, it went up. So in other news, the Fed chairman, Jerome Powell, compared Bitcoin to gold today. That's right. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell said that he can envision a return to an era where multiple currencies are in use in the United States. And as if you know, I'm not sure if you've been following the news or not, but Jerome Powell and Donald J. Trump don't typically get along. 
Uh, I think Trump has threatened to fire him a couple of times at this point already. So there's this back and forth between them. And lo and behold, Jerome Powell says this. Take a listen. In the traditional sense, I think things like that are possible, but we, we really haven't seen them. We haven't seen widespread adoption. I mean, Bitcoin is a good example. Really, almost no one uses Bitcoin for payments. They use it more as an alternative to gold, really. It's a store of value. It's a speculative store of value, like gold. Um, so we don't have, and people, of course, have been talking about this since cryptocurrencies uh, emerged. But um, we haven't seen it. But that's not to say we won't see it. And if we do see it, yes, you could see um, uh, a return to an era in the United States where we had many different currencies and, uh, you know, in, in the so-called, I guess, national banking era. All right. Thank you. I do have more questions. But uh, some. Yeah. So you have one person in the president say Bitcoin, something but used for drugs. And then you have the Federal Reserve chairman saying no, Bitcoin is a store of value. I don't know. Who do you believe? Okay, our next piece of news. We got SIA Network, or SIA, <laughs> raises $3.5 million from Bain Capital to become a crypto Hulu. It, in a sorts, Boston-based nebulous makers of the SIA Network for decentralized data storage recently closed a $3.5 million pre-Series A round led by Bain Capital Ventures, along with participants like Bessemer Venture Partners and Dragonfly Capital Partners. If you don't know, SIA is trying to take the approach of distributed storage across its entire blockchain and doing this in what they are calling Amazon AWS decentralized. It's pretty crazy. We've done a inside protocol on SIA last season. Go check that out. And then I've also got to talk to uh, uh, David Vorhick, who is the main architect of that project. And I think I saw him at the Texas Bitcoin conference. Guy is bright, really, really bright. And I think I spent like maybe five, seven, 10 minutes talking to him. Yeah, he, he definitely, he definitely is impressive. Um, so ultimately what they're trying to do now is just raise enough capital so they can start building this out. As you know, they've been on a shoestring budget. Uh, they have created a team um, in, in the past for their uh, what they're calling their obelisk miners. And these these will roughly um, just mine SIA or SIA. And uh, they are apparently going to move away from that and, and focus more on this uh, project, which is good. So, um, yeah, super excited to see what they roll out with because I'm a big fan of SIA and what they're building. And it's a much needed um, it's much needed infrastructure in this space for certain. And our last piece of news, it's kind of sad because Walla is another cryptocurrency that was started in South Africa. And they were trying to, you know, give people in Uganda uh, their own crypto powered payments uh, app called Walla and uh, Trisha Martinez, who I think we had in the first season, actually, and we had her on the show and we we're talking about her new her new uh, project with uh, Walla and her dollar coin. And yeah, they ended up having to close shop. And now uh, Coindesk has done the whole kind of inside <laughs> into the company. And now they're accusing them of like. All kinds of stuff, which doesn't sound like Trisha and team at all, in my opinion. Um, but what can you do? 
this is just another crypto project. In the grand scheme of things, this is another crypto project in 2017 that ended up shutting down. So, uh, of course, whenever that happens, people automatically think they took the money and ran. But we talked to her. She was very bright. Her team was very smart. And apparently it looked like they just had too many hurdles in Africa, in South Africa, to get this off the ground. Um, so we'll see what they go on to next. But, uh, yeah, this hit the news today on Coindesk. And I remember telling them at the time, like, what about Stellar? And I think they ended up pivoting to Stellar last year, but I don't know. Maybe it was too late. Okay, with that, let's go ahead and get into, that's right, interesting video of the day. Let's do it. Thriller podcast. Interesting crypto video of the day. So today's interesting video of the day is actually two of them, but with the same two people. Uh, this is going to be very fascinating because you have on one side, which is Shamath Apalaptia. He is a uh, venture capitalist and somebody who is a big evangelist of Bitcoin. And then you have somebody from CNBC. So take a listen to how they reacted to Bitcoin in early 2017. I like in a portfolio. Again, my portfolio is 99% risk on, 1% risk off. And in that 1% risk off bucket, I think that something like Bitcoin is really important. Why? Because it is not correlated to the rest of the market. And the biggest thing that's changed... You know, you do not believe that the success of Bitcoin over the past several years has been correlated to the market. I would say not directly correlated, but clearly... So the idea that there's as much liquidity and cash sloshing around in the world has allowed people to buy into Bitcoin in a way that they wouldn't have, frankly, if the that's market... That's different than being correlated to a strong no, economy I know, but or, or so, earnings. So, but there so, is that's a, just, that's a liquidity Bitcoin. argument. That's not yeah, a correlation. I've been, in the liqui- I've been in the Bitcoin market since 2012. And I feel like I'm in two different universes. I need a passport to go between the Bitcoin world and my regular world. These are not the same people. Um, and what I would tell you is the people that own Bitcoin in 2012, all the way up to now, the majority of those people view it as a hedge to the traditional financial infrastructure. Um, whether that's true or not is unclear, but that's how we've all viewed it. Separately, what Joe says is absolutely right. There's a big difference between correlation and liquidity. And the reality is all of these financial assets in the traditional markets are fundamentally correlated. We saw that in 2007. Everything broke down. Things that we thought were hedges went away. And so I think it's really important to not forget what happened there. So in 2018 or 19, heaven forbid we go through another cataclysmic financial event, we are going to see the same fundamental correlation. And so again, I ask, why would it not make sense to have a non-correlated hedge? for a small amount of your, this is about buying insurance. It was the same reason why in 2007 and eight, the folks that bought simple, simple insurance bought some CDS, yeah, like well heroes. Buy gold. I mean, at least gold's got a 3,000 year, or 10,000 year record of, of being a store of value. I mean, I think that's the other thing Buffett's saying. There's no reason to think this is a store of I, value. I think that's a fair point, but I think these are not exclusive decisions. And yeah. um, you know, for, for this younger class of entrant into the market, they probably don't want to buy gold. In fact, they don't want to buy gold, and they want to buy something that's much more digital and reflective of their values. How do you feel, though, about the idea that, that, that Charlie sort of suggested, that there's something sort of scummy about, that, or that there's a lot of scum in the crypto world right now, and, and that there's a lot of people who have been sort of sucked into this world that have bought into this world by, 
by, by some folks who, who may not be as... Um, um, look, I think it's really unfair to not understand something and then to disparage it. Um, again, I think he's exceptional. I think Warren Buffett is exceptional. I think Bill Gates is exceptional at what they do. And I think it's fair to say that in 30 or 40 years, if I'm you know, a vibrant, successful investor, and right. if I'm back on this show, the idea that I know what's happening 30 or 40 years from now, as well as some other new 40-year-old or 30-year-old entrant into the market, is just not true. The reality is things change. Tastes change. Behaviors change. But Chamath, I think you're, I think you're mistaking their underlying concern. So as you can tell right there, they are just not believe in anything is saying about Bitcoin and how it has uh, relative value to today's current monetary system. Um, and so if you fast forward two years, because that's, I would say, as much or as long as CNBC has been covering it for at this point. Um, <laughs> it was sad because in the early days, we actually knew more than them. Uh, these days, too. OK, so <laughs> take a listen to now how they react to him about Bitcoin. Can I use Bitcoin to buy my uh, yes, you can. ticket? Yes, you can. Yeah. To, to go up? Yes, you can. Yeah. I don't need quite as many uh, now at 12. I didn't look at it just now, but were, uh, were you surprised at the speed? You need 20 of them. Look, yeah, we were surprised. How many times? But, but from 4,000, well, I recently became more, more in tune with, with how it works. So I, and I was actually down at about 9,000 when I, when I realized that distributed ledgers probably imbue more inherent value on, on something than, 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 I, uh, than a government. We've does. had this conversation for five well, or six years. I didn't years. listen I'll, to you back then. I'll say the same <laughs> I thing I said six years ago when it was at 80 bucks a coin, which is it is the single best hedge against the traditional financial infrastructure. Whether you support fiscal and monetary policy or not, it doesn't matter. This is the schmuck insurance you have under your mattress. And I've, that's kind of by I've had it for a long I, I'm time. I'm looking at it now at, at a point where if anything actually has inherent value, that distributed ledgers and decentralization and peer-to-peer -peer and no double payment, that, that's worth more than the current things that we use right now. You're just using it as default. Do you see what I'm saying? Though? You may end up being a spokesman for like some IBM commercial with that. <laughs> so maybe true. Just buy the coins. I mean, it's a fantastic instrument just in case. Just in case all these geniuses may not turn out to be geniuses. I think that was an insult, Joe. I think, was that an insult? It was insane. not an insult, no. Um, I think well, you're incredible. Oh, really? Uh huh? No, I really like you. No, you I really do. You don't like no, I really do. No, I really do. This is very scary. No, no don't, don't be scared. You're I'm one sure. of my favorite people, too. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, okay. yeah, don't you think it's funny how all of a sudden, they all recognize that the key component to Bitcoin is the fact that it's open. It's a distributed ledger. Through the distributed nature of this ledger, the transactions on the blockchain are verified by the consensus of every member. Right? Do you think? <laughs> I can't believe it. He understands it on, on a really down basic level. It's awesome. He's definitely one of us. Google gobble, yeah. one of us. We <laughs> accept that one of us. Google gobble, one of us. We accept that one of us. Google gobble. Jordan! <laughs> no, seriously, I mean, it's amazing to see. It is amazing to see. And um, I, I never would have thought that would have happened. But everybody's changing their mind. And and that's what Bitcoin does. It, it gets people to change their mind. First, it... You hear about it, right? You ignore it, and then it goes up. Then you're like, wow, 
I should have went and learned about it. Then you go back and learn about it. Then you're like, oh, I understand it. And that's what happens. It, it gets everybody in a different way. But if you're smart, you're paying attention and you're watching this market and you're aware of where it's going. And uh, gosh, I can't believe CNBC has kind of done this whole big U-turn <laughs> from from uh, 2017. They, they, like, they're the main reason XRP <laughs> went, went up to three dollars. Uh, so it's it's fascinating. It's fascinating. I find it to be hilarious and I also find it to be entertaining as hell because to be honest with you, like if you would have told me this was this was the sentiment in 2019, I would have been like, well, maybe 2020, maybe 2021. It's happening faster than I anticipated. I think faster than anybody in this space has anticipated. Um, yeah, pretty cool. Okay, so we're gonna talk about coins, Bitcoin, golden crosses, all kinds of stuff in the coin talk section. Let's do it. Coin talk. It's time for coin talk but before we jump into that i got a couple things to address as they say address the nation address the world <laughs> no seriously uh just want to thank everybody for listening to thriller crypto i think this is uh, starting off to be our best season yet uh, listens are through the roof which is always a good sign uh do want to welcome all these new listeners <laughs> to the show thank you for listening uh, if I could be of any service, feel free to tweet at me or Instagram me or Snapchat me or uh, Facebook me. Uh, we have all that stuff. Uh, our website is thrillerx.com and my email is car at thrillerpodcast.club or at car at thrillercrypto.com. I appreciate you. And then I uh, also wanted to say thank you to all the people that have been leaving uh, iTunes reviews and Google Play reviews and Stitcher reviews and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I saw one the other day, like, gosh, it made it made my weekend. It really did. Like, it really touched me, <laughs> like, in my heart, in my corazón, as they say. Um, no, seriously, like, man, you guys write some really nice stuff. And uh, it, it really, uh, yeah, it really made my day. It really did. And it made my weekend. And I couldn't believe it. I feel like, uh, you know, we are changing the world one Satoshi at a time. And it's pretty cool, uh, I think. Uh, so... Yeah, just want to say uh, we're doing our best here. We're doing our best we can. Um, and uh, so far, so good. I mean, we still got a long way to go. I think once we get into August, September, whew, it's gonna, it's just going to get crazier. I'm telling you, like, this Bitcoin market is just going to, it's going to go through the roof. But uh, let's go ahead and jump into Coin Talk. There's a lot of stuff we got to talk about in Coin Talk. But before we do that, we got to play our disclaimer. Why? Well, to all the new listeners out there, disclaimer is important. Um, there's a lot of people like uh, Ian Bellina <laughs> who never had a disclaimer, right? And there's other people that do uh, technical analysis and charting and all that kind of stuff. Uh, <laughs> they don't have disclaimers. They just say what they want. But over here on uh, Thriller Crypto's channel, on this channel, 
good old car plays a disclaimer because you never know who might be listening. That's right. It could be the SEC. Uh, it could be Jerome Powell, for all, for all we know. For all we know, he's uh, getting his advice from old car. It could even be Donald J. Trump at this. Well, no, he doesn't like cryptocurrencies. <laughs> He doesn't. He doesn't like uh, Bitcoin, apparently. But uh, yeah, we gotta play a disclaimer because you just never know who's listening. Uh, so let's do it. Roll the disclaimer. Remember, Thriller Podcast does not give financial advice. He cannot tell the future, even if he thinks he can. He is just some dude trying to save the world one Satoshi at a time. So there's something called a golden cross. And, you know, I typically don't bring it up just because it's one of those things where you really have to, I don't know how to say this, like you have to plan it just right and uh, sometimes people will say it a little too early, and then sometimes people will just have a Golden Cross episode just like every every three, four months just to kind of catch it right. But, you know, today we're talking about it in Coin Talk. We're not going to do a show on it, but I do want to at least bring it up because I think it's important for you all to know, right? So let's just say if it's golden and it's a cross... Well, there's only one way Bitcoin is going, and it's going to the and investing it in Bitcoin. <laughs> okay, okay. Now we're gonna get serious. We're gonna get serious. See, Car, this is why no one takes you seriously in this space. This is why, Car. This is why <laughs> you play around too much. Focus, focus. Give them the facts, Car. Give them the facts. Okay, let's give you guys the facts. Okay, here we go. So this 50 candle moving average on this Bitcoin three day chart is in a solid upward trajectory and looks to set across above the 200 candle moving average in the next few days. That's right. Now, that would be the first corroding crossover on the three day chart since, okay, since February 2016. That's right. Long time ago. Now, seasoned traders and people alike out there have often referred to that long-term bull market signal as a lagging indicator. After all, these studies are based on historical data. There's nothing more accurate than historical data in Bitcoin. Get it together, Car. Get it together. But we know these tend to lag prices, which also means they have limited predictive abilities at best. So in plain terms... The goading crossover will likely happen before the month end, unless price drops all the way back down to 5,000, dragging the 50 candle moving average lower. But eh, I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, yeah, there's just too many. (laughs) If you listened to yesterday's episode, you would know there's just too many indicators out there uh, pointing the opposite direction. So right now, currently at Bitcoin, we are at... $11,442. $11,442. Yeah, it went down. It went down. We were, we were eclipsing 13K, went back down, you know, down to 12K. And then we, I think we touched 10.8, I think it was. 
10,800. So it got scary there for a second, but we're back up like normal, chopping it up there. And I'm going to continue to say this. I think if we stay in this range, we kind of stay in this consolidation going sideways. I think we're going to see it retest that 13K level and hopefully push above 14K. And I really think our next test is going to be 17K. I really think that's going to be as high as we're going to get 17K and it'll fall back down. And I think that's where I think that's where we're headed. Um, there's a lot of stuff coming up here in the short term, and there's a lot of people in the space that believe that the Bitcoin dominance right now is 65 percent. People think that once it gets to 70 or even 80 percent, you will start seeing other altcoins um, go down in, in value. Right now, it looks like Binance Coin, Bitcoin Cash, Litecoin are all up right now. Um, but the vast majority of alts are still down. But I mean, I think we all realize that Bitcoin is like a vampire, right? It, it, it sucks the blood of all these alts, you know? And um, I think if you're an altcoin right now, other than Ethereum, at least in my opinion, you're going to feel the wrath. <laughs> you're going to feel the wrath of Bitcoin taking over you know people are looking at this market and they're just focused on bitcoin institutional investors are just focused on bitcoin but alts will always have bitcoin to think of if i should stay i would only be in your way so i'll go but i know i'll think of you every step of the way so long altcoins say your goodbyes to bitcoin and i Just kidding. I'm just kidding. I mean, I don't think I don't think alts are going to go away. But if they did go away, that's how it would go down. Uh, <laughs> no, seriously, I, I tend to think that some of the alts that I look at and when I think of, will they go away? Uh, if I'm being honest, and again, this is not a, a financial advice. But if I'm being honest, I'm going to tell you. Um, I think I think for sure, <laughs> BitTorrent token is definitely going to go away. It's downright vaporware, in my opinion. Um, you can look at other ones like NEM. I, I definitely think NEM is going to go away eventually. If it doesn't, it will eventually. Uh, I also think uh, something like, here, I don't want to be too mean, but uh, something like Bitcoin Diamond, I think is going to go away. <laughs> I mean, it's like, why is it there uh, at this point? Um you know, I can I can keep going on this list. It's gonna it's gonna hurt if you have some of these these altcoin bags, but uh, 
you know, I think something like Icon is another one that we realized that once it got to $8, like should have sold. <laughs> uh, BitShares is one that's always going to stick around, but really, what are we using this for anymore? Um, we can keep going on and on, on and on, A, B, B, C coin. Like, these are just all just going to go away. Like, come on, let's let's be serious here. So um, we're going to see a lot of coins die. And, 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 you know, and there might be even be some that uh, that we are bullish on that might die. Just got to be ready. Okay. That's all I got for Coin Talk. Let's get into our main topic.
In the digital age, the ideal brand new currency should have at least these three characteristics. It should be free from control of any authority so that it cannot be manipulated and printed at will. And nobody can tell anyone what they can and cannot use it for. Number two, the currency should be borderless so that it can be easily exchanged across any location with anyone. And it should be apolitical. That's right. So as to not favor a specific system or a group of people. In a nutshell, these are the characteristics of Bitcoin, which looks like an appealing alternative to any fiat-based monetary system on this planet. Anyone can buy it, anyone can receive it, and nobody can tell anyone what they can do with it. It is money free from dictatorship, oppression, and hyperinflation, and a financial safe haven for anyone living under those circumstances. It is of the utmost value. So Bitcoin is a currency that exists on the internet, uh, that is created on the internet, that um, really serves the needs of the internet generation. It does not belong to any government. It's not controlled by any bank. Um, Bitcoin isn't a company or product or a service. Uh, it's an internet protocol. It's a method of communication, just like we say the web or email, and that doesn't belong to anyone. It's a shared common public good on the internet. Um, Bitcoin is a digital currency and payment system that is a shared good, um, and it is controlled collectively by the participants in the network. And um, creating a currency that does not belong to a nation seems weird at first, um, but then again, you know, we used to have airlines that only existed for one nation and had the flag on the tail, right? Flag carriers, they called them, and phone companies that, that were monopolies in one nation and had the flag on them. And now that seems absurd. And I think within 20 years, the idea of national currencies as the only option will seem absurd. Um, what Bitcoin is, is a completely global and open system of money that anyone can participate in without asking permission, without registering for an account or uh, showing ID. Uh, all they need to do is download an app. Just like if you want to participate on the web, all you need to do is download a browser. If you want to participate in Bitcoin, all you need to do is download the Bitcoin wallet. And the moment you do so without registering with anyone or creating an account, you can send and receive Bitcoin. And why would you send or receive Bitcoin? Well. For many people who live in Western advanced nations who have debit cards and tap to pay, and it's not really necessary. Um, but in a broader sense, we live in a world that is very fragmented, where uh, money faces borders, um, very hard borders, strict lines of demarcation between countries and currencies. And you have these national currencies that are badly managed by governments and banks in countries where uh, there is very little difference between a government, a bank, and an organized crime syndicate. All three are the same. The problem with fiat 
is in reality, any money controlled by a central bank is not truly sound. When you consider the big picture, governments have created monetary systems that allow them to manipulate the supply of their country's money, assuring its value is backed by their word and that it will always be worth something. is that something has slowly been worth less and less since fiat money was taken off the GOAT standard. The reason for this is simple. Governments like to spend more than they accrue from taxes and other income streams. So by their own power, they print enough money for their needs. Of course, when more money is printed and put into an economy, it decreases the value of each dollar already in circulation. But Bitcoin is beautifully designed. Characteristics mean it has poised to have an impact in people's lives. In the most unstable economies where the government heavily manipulates its money. It truly is revolutionary. have fiat money, keep money in fiat that you're willing to lose. <laughs> right? Uh, the biggest bubble in the world is the US dollar. The stock market's in a bubble. The bond market's in a 300-year bubble. We haven't seen bond prices, sovereign bond markets this high in 300 years in Britain and in over 240 years in America. Think about that. It's in a multi-hundred-year bubble. Uh, when those bubbles burst, and they will, because interest rates can't remain near zero for a perpetuity to help keep insolvent banks looking like they're solvent, every single bank goes bust. Deutsche Bank is leveraged at 5,000 to one. They, they, there's nothing collateralizing Deutsche Bank but some hamster in, the, in, a, in a vault somewhere in Munich. It's absolutely nothing. It's a mirage. Let's get to the PowerPoint. Damn it! <laughs> Damn those banks! Right, so that cuts into their primary business, which are uh, fees. I alluded earlier to Jamie Dimon nickel and diming people to death. You know, they just charge fees on everything. Overdraft fees and late fees and this fee and ATM fees. You know, they charge you to take money out of your own account with an ATM card. You know, charge you three bucks to take out 50 bucks out of your own account. That's obviously a predatory behavior. So Bitcoin eliminates all that. So all that free money they get every single day by being out of control, pernicious, ugly, tapeworm-like parasites is gonna be disintermediated by Bitcoin. And now they have to admit that to their shareholders or face shareholder lawsuits. In other words, Jamie Dimon doesn't wanna to have to go in front of an arbitration panel and explain why, after talking about Bitcoin so much, he wasn't aware of the fact that their business model is now being disrupted. So he's being forced to come to the table, as the entire industry will be forced, as Warren Buffett will be forced to come to the table. He's a big shareholder in Wells Fargo Bank. He will also have to capitulate, so will Charlie Munger. To understand how Bitcoin can have value, we need to delve into what gives money value. The idea behind money can be found in Latin origins of the word credit, meaning to trust or to believe. 
Faith is the hidden mechanism that makes money work. A faith instilled in the minds of men over thousands of years, right back from prehistoric times when primitive huntsmen started swamping seashells for mammoth meat instead of relying on a bartering system. Over the centuries, shells fell out of favor, of course, to be replaced with rocks, gems, and rare metals. Items that might have had no inherent use, but were given value by the collective belief of a society. This collective belief made the items symbols of value, which was then reinforced by their continued use. We know of the network effect. So long as everyone agreed that the chosen item had value, then it did. This reinforcement went on and on and on until more people started using it as a currency. The more value it has, and conversely, the fewer people that use it, the less value it has. But with the internet, we have this network effect. We also have scarcity. If a currency can be produced by anyone out of thin air, then it loses value. The scarcity of any resources increases its value. Value will become stability. This is where Bitcoin is currently facing challenges. At the moment, Bitcoin is acting more as a commodity like gold than it is a stable currency. Should speculation be replaced with adoption, then you would expect the wild fluctuations in value to reduce, putting the final piece in place for Bitcoin to function as a widespread currency. Um, the first interesting thing about Bitcoin is that it is completely unique as a form of money in a way that is different from anything that we've seen before. So why that is the case, in my opinion, um, the way that I see it is this. Anything can be used as money. There's no, there, there's no clear physical or legal reason that says what has to be money or what can't be money. Money is a medium of exchange. And so anytime you decide to buy something, not for its own sake, but in order to exchange it with something else um, later on, you're effectively using it as a medium of exchange. So there's nothing to stop anything from being used as money. But the, there is a problem with most things being used as money, which is that if something gets used as money, its value rises because everybody's buying more of it. But that gives more of an incentive for the people who can produce it, who can make more of it, to produce more of it, which in turn brings the value down. And so you end up in this trap where anything that gets chosen as money has the value rise and then the value drops afterwards. Um, and so it ends up not being useful as a store of value. So in, because of that, the only things that end up getting used as money we find throughout history are things that are hard to produce, that are hard for people to make more of. So we see cattle, seashells, glass beads, um, metals, precious metals, and then even within government money, we see that the successful examples of money are usually kinds of money that are very hard to produce. If, and the harder they are to produce, the longer they are likely to serve as money, and the easier they are to produce, the less likely they are to continue to serve as money. 
So if that was true, if my theory about this is interesting, is true, then Bitcoin is extremely interesting because it is the hardest money that we have ever invented. It's the hardest thing to produce. And this chart here shows us the supply curve for Bitcoin. As you can see, the quantity of Bitcoin is going to end up being stable at around 21 million. And there's no possibility for anybody to make more Bitcoin beyond that. And we can discuss why maybe during the Q&A. But generally, the growth rate of Bitcoin continues to decline with time. The, um, the, the coins are added on, and they're added on at a declining rate. Every four years, the new supply drops by half. And so eventually, it averages off at, uh, it levels off at 21 million coins in total. So this makes Bitcoin unique, because with every other asset, if it gets chosen as a form of money, if people choose it as money, then the price of it rises and people will produce more of it. And that's true for everything from copper to seashells to gold to silver. People will dig more and they will produce more. It's also true for government money. Government will always have the temptation to make more money, to print more money, to lower interest rates, to offer lower loans. And any form of money always faces this, if you want, inefficiency or imperfection, which is that more of it can be made if demand for it rises, except Bitcoin. It's completely unique in this regard because if somebody chooses it as a store of value, its price goes up, but there's no possibility for increasing the supply. Instead, and those of you who are familiar with how Bitcoin works technically, will recognize the term difficulty adjustment. What happens with Bitcoin is that if the value of Bitcoin rises, more people try to buy in Bitcoin, more people try to produce Bitcoin. They do not produce more Bitcoin. What they end up doing is, uh, what ends up happening is that the difficulty of mining Bitcoin becomes harder, becomes higher. In other words, it becomes more expensive to produce Bitcoin. So the quantity of Bitcoin is always going to follow the curve that I showed you earlier, regardless of how many people are using it. And instead, the difficulty of mining it is what's going to adjust. And so if the difficulty to mine it adjusts, then instead of the increased monetary demand leading to more, um, more supply of Bitcoin being introduced onto the market, what ends up happening is the increase in demand for Bitcoin ends up making mining Bitcoin more difficult, which means you need more processing power to uh, mine Bitcoin, which effectively makes the network more secure because it has more processing power. And so this is really the cycle that you can see in terms of how Bitcoin uh, operates. If demand for Bitcoin as a store of value increases, that causes the price of Bitcoin or the value of Bitcoin to rise. That, in turn, makes mining Bitcoin more profitable. So more people start di directing more money and resources towards mining Bitcoin. But this does not lead to more Bitcoin being produced. Instead, it leads to the network becoming more secure. Because as we said, with the difficulty adjustment, the quantity of Bitcoin stays fixed, but the difficulty of mining new Bitcoin is increased. And so the network becomes harder and harder to attack. And then as a result, that makes it even more secure, which will likely increase the demand for store of value, uh, for Bitcoin as a store of value. And this is my explanation for why Bitcoin has, in the last 10 years, increased by about 700 million percent in value. You know, because every time somebody new wants to buy Bitcoin, there's no possibility for them to create extra Bitcoin. The only way for them to get Bitcoin is to raise the price at which they bid for it, which raises the price, which in turn makes the network more secure. And this is 
truly astonishing if you think about it. You know, it's a, this little computer program, which is intangible and it can't be touched, has in 10 years, less than 10 years, has gone from basically a value of zero to now a value exceeding $100 billion of the value of all the tokens. And every day we have billions of dollars being traded. And the network is still pretty secure because of this. So the value rises and the network continues to become more and more secure. is why is Bitcoin valuable. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. I really enjoyed putting this together and I hope to do more of these kind of introductory main topics here in the third season. Uh, just with a lot of new people we have, I feel like it's good that we uh, get back to the basics, right? So with that, like I always say, let's get on to the end of the show. Okay.
ladies and gentlemen, another Thriller Crypto is Dunsies. Thank you so much for listening. I really uh, appreciate you. If you want even more of what we do here at Thriller Crypto, be sure to check out our subscription podcast. We have three a week, and they're pretty awesome, in my opinion. You should check them out, thrillerx.com. Click on that newsletter button, and boom, you'll be taken there. There's some free episodes there, so you can give it a taste. But remember, buy Bitcoin, save the world. See you next week. This is the end of the show. You have been listening to Killer Podcast with Carl Gonzalez.